Welcome into another episode. We're talking today, Craig Malawsaw with Josh Jagno of the Region Review. Good afternoon, Josh. Salutation, folks. And we have Jay Walker, voice of the Cajuns. Good afternoon, Jay. Hello, young man. You know, this is a, a fun weekend. Um, man, Josh, first of all, let me say this. You posted this, and I'm going to give you credit for it, which kills me. But, you know, you're, I think you're the only one that thought the Cajuns were going to take this series. So great job. Talk, talk about your thought process there, which I know we might – this is way too early to be drinking, but we might not do, we might need to be drinking to listen to Josh's thought process. Okay. Well, it's pretty simple. Actually, uh, I actually text Jay on the side and said, I think we're going to play well at home because something about the energy in the building brings out the best in the Cajuns. Also, if you look at all the, the games where you would say that this particular squad played up to their potential, they were at home against great competition. You look at uh, the Irvine series, you look at Southeastern, um, good, good teams, even USM. Uh, you know, Dez continues to say Sunday, you know, we had some unfortunate things go against us and, and it wasn't, you know, maybe fair uh, to put it mildly. But even in that game, we had a chance to win. We had a chance to win all three games in that series. So I, I, I couldn't find any games where I thought we showed up to our ballpark and didn't have the fire and didn't play up to the potential. Now, South Al is a very, very good baseball team. I was extremely impressed with their pitching, their defense, and their lineup. I mean, credit our team. Our team stepped up and played good baseball. But back to your original point, my thought process was I expected to see the best version, version of this year's team. And I think that's what you got on Saturday. I mean, on uh, Friday and Sunday. And even, even on Saturday, we fought. Jay? I – um. You know, I, I was hoping we'd win the series. I thought we had a good chance to win the series. I will say this, though. This is Mark Calvey's 11th season at South Alabama, and I've seen every one of his ball clubs. That's the best South Alabama team he's had. That's even better than last year's team that was in a regional final um, because they're better offensively. I mean, veteran pitching staff that uh, combined those three guys had logged about 700 career innings, um, excellent defensive team. Santi Montiel at shortstop. That's as good as it gets in our league as far as defense is concerned. And, um, and unlike last year when they struggled to hit the ball, they can swing it. And, and they, got, they got some guys in the middle of the lineup that are scary. So I, um, I think that's what made winning the series that much more impressive to me because I think this is Calvi's best team. Well, let me ask you this. You brought up the middle of the lineup there. Are those two guys, the one from Purdue and the one that from the University of Pacific, are they seniors or will we see them again? Oh, you know what? I'm pretty sure they're seniors. I, th I think they were grad transfers. I'll have to, I'd have to double check okay. that, but I, I, I'm almost positive Symington is. Yeah. Um, and, and then the, the guy hitting behind him, um, Middleton, I, I, I think is also. You know, Simington is one of those guys that I think if he was about six inches taller, he would look like Bo Jackson. Well, if he was six inches taller, he never would have made it to South Alabama. Well, that's true. He, he wouldn't be a, a grad transfer. He'd be in the big leagues right now because he's only 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, but he can hit the oh, man, ball. Man, can he ever. And I expect it with, with a guy that short, I guess. I, I know this is not the right thing to say, but I expect him in like second base, not in right field. Well, but he's got speed. And you'd expect him maybe to hit lead off and not third. But, I mean, he's, he's a good <laughs> ball player. 
Josh, um, tell me what you thought about South Alabama's, the, the, the guys you saw in the bullpen, because they've got some youth in the bullpen that's pitched really well for them, but the Cajuns were able to get to them. I thought they had pretty good stuff. Jake, I thought that the middle of their bullpen was about as good as we've seen. Uh, and they're young, like you said. I thought um, the guy on Saturday, no, that was Boswell that went the distance on Saturday, wasn't it? It was the guy on Friday, the, the first reliever on Friday, had an electric breaking pitch uh, that I, I sat in 108 on Sunday, on a Friday, so I couldn't see what, what the ball was doing at the plate, but out of his hand, you couldn't see the ball. And that was as, about as devastating as reliever as I've seen uh, us face. Had a lot to do with why we went over 16 up until the 11th. and then they came you know once they got the lead they came with the guy who's been their main closer and and he kind of keeps his arms away from his body and kind of slings it and he had been very very effective this year and um and and the cajuns didn't have any problem with him no i thought he was very effective a lot of deception in his delivery and uh, you got to credit the guys you know we we look at this offense and the evolution of the offense i thought even with the struggles with runners in scoring position on Friday, it was one of our best examples of staying patient, working pitchers, and then going ahead and, and not necessarily getting clutch hits, but making them work and putting the ball in play and, and giving ourselves an opportunity. Now, again, the entire game didn't go our way, but that in particular, the 10th and the 11th, you saw our guys adjust. I was most proud in that game about obviously Bo Bonds, but then – the, the adjustment late, because look at, I love the, the psychology of the game, right? You look at Debo, you look at his at bat uh, with a chance to win the game uh, in, in the ninth. So mm-hmm. he goes ahead and we, we got a guy with one out third base. They try, they go ahead, put the runner in motion. Unfortunately, the pitcher throws the ball high and outside. Debo's got to lunge for it. He pops it up. It was an unfortunate event that for a kid that's 18, a freshman, just seeing the rivalry of South Alabama for the first time, I don't care who you are. That can spook somebody. That's the psychology of the game. He came back in the 11th in a big spot, and he put bat on ball. No, he didn't hit a rocket to the left center, okay? But he battled, he battled. He had a great at bat, and he put the ball in play, and he put it right where it needed to be. I thought that that was a a nice insight into the kind of player that Kyle DeBarge is and the kind of team that we can have. Um, We're still being seasoned. We've played the nation's fourth most difficult schedule, according to um, uh, uh, Warren Nolan. So yeah, we're 11 and 12. We probably should have won a few more games than we have, uh, to this point, but I just, I like to take these little moments in our season and I like to stack them. And, and when our backs were against the wall at home against a really, really good team, we didn't fold. We came back and we pushed back. And I, I thought that needed to be said. The, the thing about DeBarge, I think that everybody likes, and the thing that Matt Diggs really likes is that the moment's never too big for him. And, and yeah, he did pop up the bunt and it was, but it was more, I think, a, a credit to, to the pitch and what it was. And the fact that, you know, that you had the guy coming and, and he had to do something with it, but it, 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 he flushed it. And the next time up, he said, okay, my turn again. And he, and he waxed the game winner. It's the thing that I like most about him because I think emotionally he's more like a junior than he is a freshman. And, and I like that a lot. Josh, you mentioned the games that, that, that probably slipped away from us that we were on the wrong side of, and, and there were a couple. 
But at the same time, I think that's what builds this team and this team's character with the struggle in the beginning. And I don't know if this series would have been as uh, emotional. I mean, I mean, you saw it from both teams. This was the first time in a long time we saw South Alabama Cajuns Amen. ready to throw down. Yep. I'm talking about – you could have had yeah, a fight so at the out, end of the game Saturday. Shout out to Mark Calvi. <laughs> oh, man. And I loved it. I love when a coach goes ballistic. I don't care if it's our coach or their coach. And I'm just going to uh, – hey, they've got a good ball club. I told Jay after it was over, I said, look, I love the hate, but I'm glad this is over because I was on the edge of my seat. I think you, know, you talked about the emotional uh, uh, nature of the series. After Friday was over, uh, I've, I've talked to some guys and I'm saying, look, I, I don't be surprised if we come out Saturday and, and we have a little bit of a hangover because that was about as electric and emotionally charged an atmosphere that the Teague has seen in a, in a long time. And you could tell how much it meant to the kids, which meant a lot to me as a fan. And I'm sure you guys felt the same as, as you know, longtime supporters. So, yeah, I agree with that. I think it was great to see Cajuns Jags at home. Uh, it, it delivered in every way. It delivered for what you would expect that series to look like. Charlie Nichols is the sports information director for baseball for South Alabama. And after Friday's game, um, I happened to see him and he looked at me and he had a big smile on his face. He said, man, this is like old times. And uh, I kind of I felt the same way. You know, there have been years where this series hasn't been quite as big a deal because it hasn't been that both teams have been relevant at the same time because uh, you know, both teams have had their highs and lows over the last decade or so. Um, but this, this had that kind of atmosphere. This, this had that kind of intensity. And it's been a while since we've seen it. Although, you know, I went to Matt Degg's presser today and you would think that he would feel like we feel. He doesn't want to hear it. I mean, he had a scowl on his face. He said, we went out. We had a two and two week. And two and two weeks are not what we're about. That's not what we want to be. We're happy to win the series. That's great. But, but we still have too far to go to start feeling good. And uh, I just, I, you know what it reminded me of? It was like Billy Napier's first game as the Cajuns coach, we were playing Grambling and we got off to a big lead. And, you know, Cody went up to get a word from Billy and, and Billy said, this is not winning football. This is not acceptable what we're seeing right here. And we all went, whoa. Um, and that's what I got reminded of today because, you know, Matt just, He's, he's far from being satisfied, far from being content, and far from being comfortable. And, um, and at the same time, you know, the three of us are sitting here going, man, that was a great series over the weekend. And, and, he, and he did say that he was happy that they won the series. But that was about the only thing he said that was real positive. He, you know, he's, we got to get better. And um, we talked about a five-game week, and we got to get better. And, and I, um, I, I just thought it was interesting because it, it was not what I expected out of him today. Josh, I don't know about you, but Jay and I talked about it before we came on air. It's one of those things. I know 
uh, being up in the booth with Jay at, at football games at the end of a game, I'm drained. And uh, I, 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 Jay and I said that the same thing after this, this weekend, every game, because as an announcer for Jay, he has to watch everything all the time. And I've come to enjoy baseball that way because you see the game or the games within the game, uh, whether it's you're looking at Calvi in the dugout. Uh, I, I'm, I'm in the fortunate spot where I can see our dugout and their dugout. And I see that rep, that umpire's head turning left or right. I know something's going on over there. And, uh, you know, so it, it's one of those things that if you watch everything that goes on from the guy leading off at first to where the pitcher throws the ball and things like that, there's always something going on in baseball uh, where, to me, football is slow. You know, you've got eight seconds of play or something like that for every 30 seconds. So how how were how were you after the weekend? I mean, I was mentally exhausted. Well, especially with a head coach like Matt Deggs, who you never know what's going to happen. It's, there's going to be action on the base paths, or there's always going to be an element of surprise with him. There's always going to be something that you wouldn't expect. So you're already in your mind thinking of 15 different scenarios, no matter who's on base, who's on the, you know, who's on the mound, who's up to bat. There's so many different scenarios, right? At baseball in particular, it's like no other sport in that regard. Uh, but I mean, I'll just go back to Friday, the, the ups and downs of that game. We had so many opportunities to score runs and I give credit to, to South Al. Now I thought we, we could have come through in a couple of those situations. It's a numbers game, right? At some point, but, uh, no, I, I think that as a fan, uh, you go through the emotional roller coaster of, okay, second and third, nobody out first and third, nobody out, second and third, one out. How many times are we going to have to sit through that without producing the run? You know, it's, it's the highs and the high, the, the highs and the lows that get you really emotionally worn down. But if you watch the game analytically, like anybody who's either played, called the game, been in the profession of any kind, you, you are extra emo, uh, drained. You're extra drained because not only are you experiencing, like I can't imagine how Jay does this every weekend because he's watching as a fan and as an announcer. So he's got that, that added layer of the, the highs and lows of feeling good and bad as a fan, and he's having to tell all of us exactly what's going on, and I'm sure he's also mulling over all the things that could happen or what may happen uh, on the next pitch or, you know, who's in the bullpen or are we going to pitch hit or is this a good matchup or – I mean, that's what I do. I drive myself crazy in the stands. That's why I drink, you know, 17 beers every time I go to the Teak. Josh, uh, uh, Josh, you do realize, though, half the things that Jay says on the air when it's a ball or a strike, he's lying. No one knows what he what they're watching. They can't see the game. Jay's their, their eyes. I'm joking. He does I, a great job. I have. Uh, I, I'll tell you this real quick. <laughs> Catherine takes score and she listens live. So you called a ball high this weekend and it was low. And she looked at me and said, that was low. Jay, Jay, actually, she said Jay effed up, but uh, <laughs> that's just between us. She's not allowed to come to the game anymore. Then <laughs> I, I, I will tell you this. Um, you know how Tony has talked about, and we've talked about amongst ourselves, the difference between throwing pitches and throwing stress pitches. Okay. Right. I will say this, these games this weekend, there were so many turning point moments during the game that for me, there's a difference between pitches and stress pitches 
And I was physically exhausted after all three of those games this weekend because they were so tense and so intense. And um, yeah, I was tired. I mean, it, it, it will drain you physically because it drains you so much emotionally. And to, to that point, the outing by Bo Bonds on Friday, I don't care what the stat line says. I don't care what, what you visually saw. If you're a baseball fan and you understand the amount of stress pitches that that kid threw on Friday and, and the results that it produced, it's got to be, not hyperbole, one of the best relief outings I have ever seen as a fan at the Teague. Well, we, we talked about it after the game and, and again on Saturday night when some friends came over. That, not only relief pitching, but that, that was one of the most dominating pitching performances I've seen in the, in the last 11 years easily. Yeah, you know, as far as strikeouts are concerned, yeah. as far as strikeouts are concerned, you honestly have to go back to Phil Deavy. The, the last time that you saw somebody come out and just totally dominate their opponent and not let them hit the ball. Um, but that's, that's who he was the other night. It was, uh, it was, it was outrageously good. I'm um, I still can't get over Deg scowling throughout the press conference today though. <laughs> well, you know, one thing, one thing about strikeouts, fan love, fans love to see that when, when, when it's our pitcher that are throwing strikes like that, but at the same time, it can really run a pitcher's pitch count up because you know, you're, if you look at three strikes per batter, then if he throws a ball into you, now you're talking about five, five balls, five to six balls per batter. That that runs your pitch count up pretty quick. So unless you're just no doubt. And and Craig, maybe you might know this offhand. Maybe you guys looked it up during the broadcast. But the another thing that makes that outing so incredible was he had to thrown have thrown a hundred plus pitches. Ninety six. So ninety six. So what was his previous high in the sixties? Uh, I want to say Brad said 58, uh, Brad, Brad did have that come up, uh, earlier. So you, I mean, you can't discount how huge that is, but you gotta, you gotta say, you know, a strikeout, nothing charges a stadium, like a home run or a strikeout. And he just got the punchies when he needed them. You know, we were looking for ground ball, double plays, and he was just out there dominating the hitter with runners in scoring position. Yeah, 69 against Southern Miss, 57 at Troy. So 96, 30 more pitches is 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 a pretty big step up when 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 your your previous highs before that, you know, you had a 41, a 21, a 50. So that's you know what you know what the most impressive thing about that was to me. Going into the series over the weekend, South Alabama was the toughest team to strike out in the Sunbelt Conference. And for him to go out and punch out 14 out of the 16 outs that he got, that tells you that he was really rocking and rolling. And I'll tell you who else was rocking and rolling. Chipper Menard on Sunday made a couple of huge pitches in clutch times to get strikeouts really when they were needed. Um, he only got four outs, but damn, they were four good outs. Uh, that's the best I've seen him pitch. I mean, that, that was a dominating performance. He came in there and slammed the door on him and said, you're going to take it and you're going to like it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. He, he got him and he made him like it. I like that. Four of the most important outs maybe in this series, uh, excuse me, in this season. 
could yeah. be the four most important. I mean, obviously, any any team can turn it around in baseball. It's a funny game like that. But I think that that is an opportunity to look back and say, hey, we've, we've weathered the storm. We're, we're hovering around 500 through a very difficult schedule. This is how good we can be. And if Chipper is going to be that good, now I'll admit Sunday I had to leave the park early because my daughter had soccer. I was listening to Jay on the radio, and when he called the first punch out when, when Chipper came in for Hammond, I punched the steering wheel as hard as I could. I think I broke my steering wheel and my hand. So <laughs> I didn't get to see it live, but I, I, Jay's call was so great on the, on the punch out right there. I'm uh, – he's trying not to disagree with you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm, I was really heartened by, by what I saw. And, you know, last week folks were asking me about this team, and I said, you know, the thing that we've got to do is we've got to start pitching consistently. And – I don't know that we had anybody that had a bad outing over the weekend. You know, everybody, everybody contributed that went out there. And, you know, I liked uh, Tommy Ray coming in behind Schultz and AP. I like bonds coming in behind tally. Um, and, and I like what uh, they did with the bullpen on, uh, on Sunday. You know, one of the things we're learning about Seth Thibodeau is he's very much into left, right matchups. And, uh, you know, there are times now when you, when you look and you say, okay, you got three lefties, then you got two righties after that, that you know that that left-hander's out there, but as soon as the righties come out, he's coming out of the dugout. And he, he does that a lot more than, than any coach that I've worked with. And uh, so that's one thing that we're learning uh, about Seth. But, you know, he obviously has confidence in a lot of these guys because he's putting them in some tough situations. And um, over the weekend, they came through, and good for them. You know, yeah, we get- really uh, – I'm sorry, Craig. I was just going to say I really, like, I really like Tommy Ray out of the pen. He has a, a bit of a calming thing about him. Uh, out, you got, if we're being honest and you look at his, his numbers, he did look like he had the Friday night guy stuff. But I feel like he kind of overthrows the ball when he starts. I mean, I, I thought Stanford was an okay outing. They have a really good offense as they've proven after that. And against Southern Miss, he was fine. But I, when he looks the most in command of his stuff has been in middle relief. So I really like that role for him. I don't know what we're going to end up settling on as far as a rotation is concerned. I thought Tally really I, – I, I don't even think he had his best stuff on Friday, but he gave us a chance to win. And if, if – if, I don't think the moment was too big for him, but, you know, you got to say it was the first time he's been in that role. So – I like that going forward. Let's try it some more. Let's see if maybe he can bring the good stuff next weekend. But everybody gave us an opportunity to win this weekend against, um, Jay said it, the best lineup South had under Calvi. And I, I think that that's absolutely correct. I have um, I, something that didn't get lost on me is that it was a huge series this weekend. You're playing at home. You know, you're going to get, you know, the crowd, you're, you're going to have the crowd on your side, but it's a series you really need. And what did Matt Deggs do? Senior, senior, senior for his three starters. And that, that didn't get lost on me. Well, let me ask you about this. Jeff Wilson, pitching performance is awesome. But at the same time, the way he played defense had to have sparked the rest of his team and said, I'm not going to let this ball hit. I'm, I saw guys die for balls that, you know, they didn't always get them, 
but they were going after ball. The defense was different on Sunday. Well, well, and you're right about El Jefe. I mean, he did a great job getting over to first base to cover a couple of times. Um, caught a line drive that came right back at him. Got off the mound on a on a slow roll or, or a bunt, whatever it was, and, and made a play. No, he helped himself. He helped himself out there in the mound on uh, on Sunday. And and I'm with you. You know, I, I I think overall the Cajuns played good decent. Well, we made X errors. Well, you know, if you make X errors and nothing hurts you, how bad have you gotten hurt? Okay, yeah. you know the Cajuns were giving up an average of one unearned run per game. And that's way too many, but we didn't see that uh, in this three game series. I think there was one unearned run that they gave up. And, you know, if you're going to make the other team work for and earn what they get, if you're going to do that, you're going to win more games than you're winning right now, because the, you know, Matt Deggs refers to it as generosity. And, and I think he's absolutely right. Uh, this team's been a little bit too generous, whether it's errors or walks or hit batsmen or whatever. And, uh, and they're still too generous, but when you cut down on that, you're going to win most of the time. All the, all the runs were earned this weekend, but the six walks on Saturday really ended up being the deciding factor in the game there. Yeah. But at the same time, um, I got to give a shout out to Jacob Schultz too. Has he started a game with the Cajuns? He actually had seven starts during Tony's last year. Okay. Uh, this was his first start since a start uh, in 2019 in April against Arkansas State, a game where he didn't get out of the first inning. Um, but he had not started a game since then. And uh, I, I thought he equated himself, well, I'm with you. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be surprised if Matt doesn't run him out there again this coming Saturday. Josh, your thoughts on Jacob? I support running Jacob back out there on Saturday. I, I thought that uh, he, I think he got squeezed a little bit. I thought his stuff was fine. Um, I, I like it. I want to see it again. Uh, that's about as plain as I can put it. I have a little bit of a different view of Saturday. Obviously you never want to walk six guys. You can't give away runs. I totally understand that, but I got to say this. First of all, Carson Rockefeller with his five RBI was a tremendous performance. Yep. If you take, if you take rock out of the lineup on Saturday, we got completely and totally dominated. Boswell really recovered after those first few innings of, you know, we had a couple of chances. I, I, I was disappointed. Not what well, disappointed is not the right word. I expect us. I expected us to be a little bit flat on Saturday. So it didn't, I wasn't totally caught off guard by this, but I, I, I wish I'm looking for some consistency up and down the lineup. You look at South Alabama, they have, they have a terrifying one through nine. If we want to be consistent as a ball club, we've got to find some guys throughout this lineup that are going to be able to put the ball in play when we have runners in scoring position. I think we ended up with four hits, Jay. I might be wrong on that, but I think total Saturday we had four hits. Yes. That's correct. That is correct. Uh, five on yeah. Saturday, four on Friday. Okay, so five. Oh, so, I'm sorry. Four on Saturday. Sorry. Okay, wrong wrong line item. Good deal. So, so look, you don't want to give away free stuff. I, I totally am, and, and we agree on that. I still, I still got it. I got to see more from the lineup consistently. Max Marshak is a spark plug. He's got to be in the lineup for us. You saw this weekend. Team's a different team. Even though we didn't get a ton of hits on Saturday, we, we pushed Boswell. We made him work. Uh, that's something that we had been spotty with with him out, out of the lineup. There was a few times where we got thoroughly dominated. But I, I, gotta, I need to see some guys consistently step up and get hits, uh, namely a Bobby Lede. 
Uh, it felt like Julian was coming on for a minute. He had a three-hit night recently. Uh, I expected a little more out of him this weekend, but, you know, I think those balls are going to start to fall. This was a very, very good pitching staff, uh, but I'm not going to put it completely on the pitching staff for Saturday. No, 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 I agree. I, I agree. I mean, you, you can't have four hits and, and expect to win that way and, and, and do things like that. But, no, I, I agree with you there, Josh, and totally. And that was kind of my point to Jacob Schultz pitching and the other guys that pitched with Tommy Ray, you know, that, that was the whole point of me bringing up Jacob's name. I mean, he could have easily fell apart in the first inning and several times after that throughout the day, but I thought he worked himself, worked himself well out of jam. I was a little bit surprised he came in the last inning because I thought at that point he was, he might've been losing a little bit, but I'm not the coach. I don't get paid the big bucks and I get why they ran him out because our bullpen has been pretty inconsistent throughout the year. So it's thin. No yeah. Way. Yeah. So, I mean, I get all of those reasons and I'm not second guessing here because it's, it's too late. I mean, it's not going to change the game, but yeah. I, I, I just felt that the, the, the pitching overall uh, was, I, it wasn't a dominating performance, but it was good enough in all of those games for us to win. Yes. It gave us a chance to win. And I, I'm going to pull out an old road criticism I think, I think we left him in two batters too long, which is fine. I, I would rather, look, show some, some trust in Jacob Schultz on his first outing as a starter for this team. I'd rather leave him out there a little bit, learn a tough lesson to where he's weathered for later. I can live with that because, look, like you said, he showed some moxie. He got out of some pretty bad jams in the first few innings, and, and yeah, that should not go without being talked about. Uh, that was impressive for him. You know, the one thing you brought up, uh, uh, Julian Brock, and, and the one thing I will say about him is that more often than not, last year he was striking out. He's only – the last three – this weekend he only struck out once per game. So he was putting the ball in play. He just wasn't getting rewarded, in my opinion. He also has been – him and Kimple have been the two players in this lineup that's been rewarded the least for good at bats. I mean – both of those guys have had at bats that they have just barreled stuff up and hit it right at people or somebody made a great play. They've been probably the two biggest hard luck guys on this ball club. I agree with that. And that's, that's kind of why I brought him up. He hits everything. It's just always at somebody you, you, you got to say, you know, again, it's a numbers game at some point they're going to fall. Right. I mean, he just hits too many baseballs. In the meantime, don't run on him because he's going to throw you out. Yeah, oh, he's, it's ridiculous. It's he's too good. It's 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 a pleasure to watch that guy play catcher. It, it definitely is. It's something you know, he has not uh, struck out twice in the game since February 25th against Stanford, which was a pretty good pitching staff there, too. But no, Julian, I mean, the guys uh, it, it fair criticism about the but he, he came around on Sunday. But he's been a streaky hitter for the last two years, is it? I mean, well, he got he got a couple of big hits uh, Sunday. In fact, he started one of the rallies that the yep. Cajuns had. So, um, yep. you know, he yep. he now now look, I don't know, I I don't think he's going to be Matt Degg's first option when Rinconis is healthy again. I, I agree. Um, and Rinconis is probably going to be out another week or so. You might see him this weekend, um, but uh, you know. You needed for him to have a couple of good ABs Sunday, and he and he had a couple. Oh, he's a big reason why we scored in that in those couple innings late. You know, uh, that's kind of what they were hoping out of out of the nine hole for him, right? I mean, he we know he can hit. We've seen it. But uh, Jay, I didn't I didn't catch uh, Warner's injury. What what's the deal? 
Uh, it's a it's a shoulder. He's got he's got a little tendonitis. He's taken some anti-inflammatories, and um, but it you know it, it it was painful. It flared up on him, and so he's uh, you know the, the only thing that does that is anti-inflammatories in time. So uh, might might be ready to go at some point in time this weekend. You're listening. We're talking with Craig Melanson, uh, Raging Reviews, Josh Jag, and the voice of the Cajuns, Jay Walker. Guys, great weekend but you can't live on the past. No, I, you know, I got asked today, do you think the Cajuns turned the corner this weekend? And I said, no, I think the Cajuns turned a corner this weekend. I think they're, they're do. I think they've taken a step toward figuring out what they need to do with their pitching. Um, but, but they haven't turned the corner. No, it's kind of like a NASCAR race. You have, you have to go around the track. And right now we, we, we just, we may have hit the next straightaway and let's see what we can do. You know, one of the things that we're seeing about this league, and we're only two weeks into it. One of the things about this league is everybody's going to be tough to beat at their place. The teams that can go on the road and have success are the ones who are going to be seated toward the top for the conference tournament. You know, Texas State, and, and I realize Arkansas State's not good and they've lost 13 in a row, but Texas State did go up there and win three. Um, you know, ULM went to Coastal Carolina and they split 1-1-1. One, one, one. Um, Georgia Southern won a series at Appalachian State. Teams that can win on the road are going to do well because I think everybody is going to be tough to beat at their house. Josh, I mean, if, if you look around, I think the one thing that you're seeing this year with Sunbelt teams with and it's very early, don't get me wrong, to be looking at RPI. But at the same time, the Sunbelt teams have put themselves in position to be a better league this year with wins over Georgia. And I'll tell you, what: after the first weekend, I saw what Tennessee did to Georgia Southern. I thought Georgia Southern was not a very good ball club. And Danny and I talked about that this morning on the podcast. But Tennessee is the real deal, you know. Well, they are ranked number one this week. Yeah. You know, so. But yeah, I, you know, this weekend is, I think, another pivotal series for the Cajuns because they've had the misfortune of opening up Troy, South Alabama, Georgia Southern, with exception of Texas State later in the year, and maybe ULM, because I do think the Warhawks are a lot better this year. Um, you know, the, the schedule is going to lighten up a little bit. Georgia Southern, another one of those teams, you know, they have the best RPI of any team uh, in the Sunbelt Conference. They are a team that's kind of had the Cajuns number at tournament time. Um, and, you know, they're a club that I think was, uh, you know, they were picked near the top of the league by the coaches. Rodney Hennon's got a, is a good coach and he's got another good ball club. Cajuns are at home and they have to hold serve this weekend. They have to. Your Josh, your your opinion on the Sun Belt so far, especially I I'm, I'm I'm I I understand what's coming up with 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 the teams, but I mean you saw some really good midweek games for, and I know midweek games are different, but we saw some really good midweek games with with Georgia Southern uh, Georgia Southern taking out Georgia and some and some other teams. What's your thought on the Sun Belt so far? Well, first of all, in particular to Georgia Southern, any team until. And this is no slight. This is just the facts. 
Until our bullpen and starting rotation can show consistency, any team that can swing it, I'm going to have a little bit of worry about. Now, it helps that we're playing at home, so I'm hopeful, you know, but I still think they're a quality club. As far as the Sun Belt, I'm thrilled about the health of the Sun Belt. I mean, you look east and west, and we have some teams that are opening some eyes. You know, it's midweek wins, but when you go out and beat a number one team in the country, you go out and beat uh, a SEC school that was ranked 20th at the time, Georgia Southern. Uh, Georgia, Georgia Southern beat Georgia. Mercer, another giant killer that, that they've been beating big schools for years. Georgia Southern went up to their place and won. So if you look across the league, we've got some eye-opening wins. And RPI, it is early, but we're two weeks, we're two series into conference play. It's not that early, you know what I mean? So you, people are going to start paying attention to these RPI numbers and these stats. Uh, but, you know, Texas State Coastal beat Wake Forest, who scores nothing but 20 runs a game. They just, they just score runs. They wake up, roll out of bed, and score runs. Uh, I'm thrilled about the, the, the health of the league because that means there, there's not going to be many series that we look forward to and say, well, this is going to hurt our resume. This is not going to be an opportunity to look better on paper for a potential postseason run or, or placement or whatever. Now, look, I don't think – I don't have delusions of grandeur. I don't think that we're at, you know, racing for a, a, an at-large spot. I think it's going to be win the league. I think that that's our path forward. But you want to win a league that is respected. And I think for the first time in a few years, the, the, the Sun Belt is back to that, that low – well, mid-major, however you want to describe it in baseball – uh, a type of, of conference that is respected again. And that's great because, look, the fact of the matter is, is that this should be a league that gets two and three teams into postseason play. There's too much talent. It's the South, man. I mean, I'm thrilled. Look, that Texas State series, or we got to go to San Marcos in, uh, well, I think it's the second to last season, series of the year. Yep. I cannot wait. I've already got my hotel booked. I can't wait to go see, it, see how that's going to be. Uh, you know, what kind of implication can that have? Uh, but for the coaching staff and the players, you got to look to next weekend, Georgia Southern. And uh, you guys mentioned who it was after that. Who do we play after Georgia Southern? Cajuns go to Arkansas State after that, but they have two midweek games in Ruston against Louisiana Tech on That's the true. way up to Jonesboro. You know, you've got, yep. you know, you've got some midweek games that can, that can help you if you can go and win them because almost all of them are on the road. Cajuns have two mid midweek games at home um, the rest of the season. They've got one against McNeese and then one late in the year against Nichols. And if there was any surprise in college baseball over the weekend, I'm sure there were others, but the one that made me go, wait, what? Nichols went to Hammond and they swept Southeastern. Southeastern is 0-7 in their last seven games. Wow. Well, that makes me feel better about that Wednesday loss. So uh, I didn't think they were a bad club just watching the game, though. I mean, they look like a solid club. No, no, I don't think Nichols is a bad club at all. They've done a they've done a nice job there. Uh, Skyler Meade has done a good job since uh, since taking over. Um, yeah. But you know, you you you've got your with your midweek games now. You have opportunities because you've got two at Louisiana Tech. You got the one Southeastern, and Southeastern has played one of the most difficult schedules in America. So their record is pretty deceiving. Yes. And their, their RPI kind of belies their record. And you've still got a game over in Baton Rouge against LSU. So you have chances to help yourself in the midweek, but there's nothing like helping yourself on the weekend. And um, again, you're playing at home this weekend. It, that's one thing about the way the schedule falls. That kind of is in the Cajuns' favor. South Alabama at home. Georgia Southern at home. You have ULM at home. And I'm telling you, the Warhawks are better. I agree. 
Now, you have the tough day at Troy, but you've only got one road series left on the weekend that makes you go, "Uh uh-oh, and that's the one Texas State. You're going to go to Arkansas State. You're going to go to Georgia State. You're going to go to App State. Those are road series you can win. And that's the good part about the way this home away thing is falling, because if you go on the road and take care of your business against Georgia State and App State and Arkansas State, road victories count 1.3 wins. So your RPI is not going to get hurt if you go up there and win, even though those teams have a weaker RPI than you do. Yeah, and I don't want to make it sound like I'm qualifying because I'm not, but I know Arkansas State pushed somebody this weekend and a quality club. Who did they play? They played Georgia Southern. They lost all three, but all, all three games could win either way. Oh, look, Didn't on they have Sunday. a lead on Saturday and no, Sunday? No, it was Sunday. They got it hammered pretty good on Saturday. Okay. On Sunday, they're up one. They've got two out, nobody on, in the bottom of the ninth inning. Georgia Southern gets a good at-bat, and they get a base hit. The, the, the guy who's in the game for Arkansas State then walks two guys to load the bases, walks a guy to drive in the tying run, and then hits a guy to drive in the winning run. And of the last four batters, he threw two strikes. Oh, Lord. That is brutal. No, I, 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 Arkansas State is a team talking to Danny this morning that, that's been injured and hurt. So uh, if, in two weeks from now, we don't know what they're going to have uh, coming up. So, but it'll be uh, interesting. You know, uh, you're listening to We're Talking, Craig Malonso on Rage and Reviews, Josh Jagno on the voice of the Cajuns, Jay Walker. Guys, we, we talked about several players, all the players that, that had good performances, but I think they're, what I liked about this weekend was, I don't think you could remove just one of those people and expect to, you know, the games to continue. I thought it was nice team efforts in all of them, all three games. They, they played as a team. Yes. We're still making mistakes. We still did a couple of uh, Saturday's game. I believe it was, we struck out way too much, but for some reason that guy must had something deceiving because top talked about it and I could really see it down low where I sat. We were swinging a lot of high strikes. Yeah. They, um, that's that was the issue on on Saturday. You're absolutely right. I look I, to your point, Josh, that you made earlier. It seems like you've got you go into a game and you've got four guys who are having good at bats and five who aren't, and then the next day it's five good at bats and four who aren't, and they're different guys. At some point in time, this team, I think, is going to become consistent at the plate, and when they do. I think you're really going to see this team take off, but they, because all of those guys one through nine, when Rinconis comes back one through nine are all capable of having big nights on any given night. When six of the nine are having good nights instead of four or seven at times, when that happens, this team's going to win a lot of games. And I think that it will happen eventually. You know, there were times last year where we play games and it felt like we kind of just were who we were, uh, if that makes any sense. Yeah. With with this team, you see glimpses and and you see some of these performances that are head scratching to to a certain degree. And you and you say, well, this this just doesn't feel like who we are. 
going into the season and it's always easy to get hyped up and, and, and get excited as a fan. But when you analyze the, the spring or the uh, fall practices and everything and you watch and you listen and you kind of just we're, we're trying to be as analytical about it as you can. You, you just saw the potential and you saw the ceiling was so, so much higher. And there have been times where you get a little bit frustrated throughout the first 20 games, 23 games, however many we played. And you, and you just say, how, how something's got to click here because I know we're better than this. And I heard Matt say Sunday, I think in the post game, he said, I know we have a good team. And I felt exactly the same. I felt like when we played the Southern Miss series and we played the Southern uh, uh, South Alabama Jaguar series, I, we are that kind of a team. But I don't think that we're anywhere near where we're going to be which is both exciting and, you know, you get a little impatient. Okay, so when is it going to happen? I think you saw us take a gigantic step forward, to your point, Jake, this weekend. Now, Seth Thibodeau said it perfectly. He said, this is a young team, it, it, you know, with regard to playing with each other and chemistry and everything. This is a young team with a, a, not, a lot of new players. They're learning how to win. And it's not coach speak. People say it's coach speak. It isn't. You have to learn how to win. Sometimes, to Craig's point, Losing those Nichols games and those, you know, that that Sunday game at, uh, against USM, those are the games that give you the motivation you needed. I'll, I'll get, I'm gonna take it a step further. Maybe if we don't kind of botch that Nichols game on Wednesday, we're not pissed off going into Friday. You know, the psychology of sport is so fascinating to me, and just just kind of round it off. We, I think, our arrow is way more in the up direction than it is kind of plateauing. Yeah, the I you know I I I think we're all in agreement there. Uh, you know what what makes me chuckle, and and this has nothing to do with what we saw over the weekend. All right, but this is just something that I've noticed this year, getting you know opinions from folks here and there. Cajun fans need to understand something. There is more than one way to coach baseball. Now, all you know, fans. All you know is Tony Robichaux, yeah. and 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 that's and that's great because he was a great coach who won a, a ton of games and did everything the right way. But that's not the only coaching philosophy, and you know I know that there have been times when folks have said, "Okay, why why weren't we bunting here?" And other times when they said, "Why did we bunt here?" And I think those those fans need to understand that A, Matt Deggs does not like to give up outs. And B, when we're bunting, eight times out of 10, we're actually trying to get a base hit. Yeah. And three, no, players don't bunt on their own. Matt Deggs calls every bunt. So that doesn't make Matt wrong. It just makes Matt different from what we're used to. You know, the other thing is on, on stolen bases, I think it, one of the, the, the part that amazes me about this, because I said this at the very beginning of the year, was that, um, and Matt, uh, he must be listening to my interviews when I'm on with Kevin Foote on 103.7 The Game, and I'll have you know, on Friday mornings normally. But, but he mentioned this on the base pass. He used the word that I use, chaos. And that's what the, the Cajuns do when they get on the ba base pass again. 47 stolen bases. Oh, but we've been thrown out nine times. You know something? 47 stolen bases is the third highest in the last 21 years. And it's also the best stolen base percentage in the last 21 years. So that chaos has created more things. You look 
Marshak. How many times has he sold second and the ball's gone out in the center field and he's on third? You, you've had that. And then what did you have um, Friday? How did, how did the tone get set in Friday's game? Marshak walked, stole second, stole third, scored on a ground ball. One run, no hits. And that's what having Marshak back can do for this team. And I really think Rinconis is that guy, too, if he can just get on base. I mean, he led his league in stolen bases. Well, you know, Rinconis is also a guy who unfortunately left the lineup because he had a five-game hitting streak. Yep. Oh, oh, if you look at conference play only, Cajun's leading hitter is Warner Rinconis. Really? Yeah. Josh, sorry, I know we kind of – it's kind of hard when you're when we don't have the camera up and see – can't see you. I'm sure you're kind of waving your hand at us going like, I got something to say. Oh, he's giving us the finger. Yeah. So, but, but we're going to go to you, Josh. Uh, we'll go around one last time. Uh, we've been talking quite a bit here. It's been fun. I've enjoyed it. But any last words there, Josh? Well, on Warner, I, I, I've, he has really started to make the turn as far as plate discipline, what to swing at, what not to swing at. You can see his evolution. And, you know, the JC hitters have that bit of transition, and that was fine. But his glove is smooth. He, he makes us infinite, infinitely better when he's on the infield. He gives you more options to be able to move people around. Uh, I can't wait for him to get back because I think he's a key part of our success. Uh, I, I, you know, no shot at Bobby, but look, I, we need somebody with a consistent glove on the infield. We, we, as far as I'm concerned, anytime the ball is hit to the right side, I, I hold my breath if it doesn't go to first because Rock has been outstanding. I thought Mason played well when he got a shot the other day. Uh, and Jabo in spot duty has done a nice job. So I think we've gotten the first base thing pretty situated uh, this year. Uh, I, I did have one question before we make the round. Yep, that's fine. What do you guys think? What do you make of the Tyler Robertson um, approach this season? Uh, something that's been said to me a lot, you know, sitting around the park and visiting with people is that they, they always wonder why, why do we bunt him so often? And first of all, I think that, Deggs sees TR similarly to the way that he sees Max in that if I can get this guy on base, he's a chaos creator. And if you have two of those guys at the top of the lineup, I mean, you can raise hell with that. So uh, he was able to swing away a lot more this weekend and look what he did. I mean, he had, I think he had two doubles, a single. Uh, I might be wrong on that, but I know he had at least two doubles. Uh, what, so anyway, the point is, is what do you guys, what is your take on the way that they've used TR this year? Well, I think, you know, TR, I think part of it is, is it to, it's taken him a while to get untracked. I still don't think he's untracked. Um, and so if, if the guy's going to not, is going to get overpowered on some at bats, the best thing you can do in TR's case is bun him because he's one of your better drag bunners. And, you know, sometimes all it takes is that one break for you to break out of something. And so, you know, if TR gets a bunt hit or two, well, now TR says, well, look, my batting average is going up. Things are, things are good. And now you start to feel better about yourself and do it. I also agree with what you said about two guys at the top of the lineup that can really um, cause chaos. And, and the third thing is I think he's one of your better bunters. And so I think those three things combined is probably why you're using him the way you're using him right now. Sooner or later, he's going to start swinging it like he did a year ago. And when that happens, he won't bun as much. I, I like the fact that he's bunning uh, right now for all the reasons that both of you have said. 
Uh, I think he gets on base. And what we haven't seen yet, I think we're going to see that before the season's over out a couple times, just as, just as the same way as when Marshak steals second and that ball goes into center field on the throw. You're going to see that on a bunt, and all of a sudden Tyler Robinson's going to be at second and third base. But what, what guys don't know, most people don't know, is Tyler Robinson changed his approach at the plate this year because the, uh, the coaches and himself felt like he was getting too many strikeouts. I know that's the way the game's going, always swinging for the fences. Chicks love the long ball. But, man, for a guy, a baseball guy, I love the fact that we're putting the ball on the ground. Make the other team make mistakes. And to me, Josh, that's the biggest thing. In, in, and more often than not, he's getting on base. I mean, if we're just hitting, if we're going to continue to get hit sharp balls to a shortstop like we had this weekend, that's just Hoover out there sucking them up and throwing them out at first. That cat was smooth. I mean, I like the idea of it. Yeah, that guy was super good. Um, I, I I understand all that. I, I was curious to see what you guys' point of view. I agree with both of you. Uh, he hit some very good pitching very hard. He didn't get on, you know, he didn't get a hit every time up. But he had some encouraging at bats, and I think that they're going to start falling uh, sooner rather than later. Yes. So, final words, then. Unless you had another question, because we can't see no, I'm, you. I, I, yeah, unless I, you're I giving us give, the finger. <laughs> uh, no, I, I want to give a couple of shout-outs. Big shout-out to Jake Hammond for getting some huge outs on Sunday. Uh, he doesn't get a ton of opportunity, but he has absolutely made the most of them. So, I want to give a shout-out. Another shout-out to Will Vayon. Will Vayon was kind of slumping a little bit, and he hit a couple of rockets to, to bolster this team this, this weekend, really. He had some, some rockets that helped out. So big shout-out to Will. I love the way he plays. I love his attitude and his energy. Uh, I think for a long time we lacked that guy in the dugout that was just so competitive he'd fight you over it. Uh, I like him. I like him a whole lot, so I thought it needed to be said. Okay. I, um, I'm just, you know. The weekend made me curious because I want to see us do it again. I, I want to see this. I want to see what I saw over the weekend. I want to see on a consistent basis and I'm okay. No, I'm very happy to win that series over the weekend, but I want us to play well enough to where when the other teams come in that they leave with three losses instead of two. Uh, I think we can get there. I was heartened by what I saw. I do agree with Matt Deggs, though. We haven't played our best baseball, and it's time to get better because we reached the halfway point of the season this Sunday. Yeah, I was going to say that. I think we're, 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 we're kind of running out of time. There's plenty of time, but we're starting. Each week goes by a little less. I will say this for my final words. Uh, uh, Jay, I believe Coach Deggs talked about, or you talked about it with Coach Deggs on Saturday's pregame. Uh, the great thing about baseball is if you lose a game, you get to play, you know, you, there's a next game waiting for you, usually the next day that you get to play and you get the opportunity to, to rebound that. But when you win a game, you don't want to play for you. You want to have that football attitude. Let's play a week later. Yeah, yeah. But um, I, the last thing I want to say is, uh, and I, I think a lot of this, uh, wh whether it's, uh, you know, uh, Yogi Bear saying, you know, the game's 90% mental and the other 50%. Half of this game is 90% yeah. mental. Yeah, something like that. But Coach Rope talked about it, and he talked about the, the muscle that, that players need to work the most are the, two, the one between the ears, the, the brain. And when our guys get this all figured out, 
uh, it'll be fun. So uh, shout out to all of them, though. Congratulations, Cajuns, uh, for Josh Jagnell of Raging Review, Jay Walker, Voice of the Cajuns. I'm Craig Melanson. You've been listening to We're Talking. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.